Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here, and we are breaking down Daytona 500 qualifying. Alex Bowman takes the poll for the 63rd annual Daytona 500, 191.261 miles an hour, a time of 47.056 seconds. He is on the poll. His teammate, William Byron, at 190.219 miles per hour, 47.314 is on the outside of the front row. Those two drivers will start there barring their, uh, whether or not, where they finish in their duels, unless they, of course, wreck in their duel and they have to go to backup, then they go to the rear of the field. We'll get into that a little bit more. A couple of guys had really good times. A couple of guys really struggled. We'll break it all down tonight here on Talking Circles Plus. We'll, talk, we'll preview the duels. We'll look back at the clash as well from last night, get the guys' thoughts on it as well. 917-889-8280. Speed Weeks 2021. We're bringing it to you here tonight on Talking Circles. We'll get to Philip Matthew first. Uh, Alex Bowman, William Byron. I mean, this is Bowman's fourth consecutive uh, front row start for the Daytona 500. Hendrick Motorsports. I, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports has been on the pole or front row. It seems like eight of the last ten years here. Chevrolet's taking the pole every year except for one since 2008. They do it again tonight. Bowman and Byron on the front row. What were your thoughts, uh, thought Matthew, when you saw that happen? No surprise to a lot of people. Uh, but what were your thoughts? I mean, I wasn't surprised it was a Hendrick car on the pole. Um, and really, at this point, I said it. Uh, offline here a few minutes ago, Alex Bowman has become like the modern day Kenny Schrader in qualifying at the Daytona 500. He figures out a way to put it on the pole or on the front row every single year. And, you know, it's house money for him. He's, yeah, it's pressure driving the 48 car. I think it's way more pressure than he had driving the 88 car because you're taking over theoretically you know, air quote, taking over for a seven-time Cup Series champion, one of the greatest drivers ever. But really, he's just – they're just changing the wrap on the car from 88 to 48. But for Ally, to have a full sponsor for the first time, really, in Bowman's career, uh, to have a full-season deal versus kind of splitting it with multiple sponsors, uh, it's a good deal for him. Uh, Byron going out there with uh, Fugel and that that whole group, uh, they destroyed, they were up by, what was it, 16 hundredths on the 23 car. So it looked like, oh, man, here we go. Um, Al Marola almost beat him there. Would have been cool to see that, to at least have some variety. But um, Hendrick Motorsports has kind of made it their thing. It's similar to Penske and the Indy 500, where they want to qualify on pole. And uh, credit to them. Uh, have to keep the thing clean uh, in in the duels tomorrow, so that they don't have to go tailback. And uh, there's some good stories behind them in the in the rest of the field. I mean, of course, the top 20. If you start, if you're in the top 20 in qualifying for this uh, deal, you're in the top 10 of your duels. So that'll be right. something. And there's some interesting stories for sure. No, there certainly is, and we're going to dive into all those in a little bit. Spencer, what were your thoughts? I mean, Hendrick Motorsports, every year they come here, take the pole, it seems like. They do it again here this week. Uh, obviously, Bowman in the 48, uh, as Philip t- talked about, the 48 took the pole in 2008. Everybody remembers back in 2002 as well when Jimmy Johnson took the pole in that car. But um, William Byron outside front row, he, you know, Rudy Frugal, again, that's, that's uh, Rudy Fugel, excuse me. Uh, Philip Matthew mentioned that as well, his first – 
really uh, run his qualifying first qualifying session with the number 24 car. Uh, great job by them. What were your thoughts on the front row before we dive into the other uh, qualifiers here for the Daytona 500? Yeah, there's no really surprise with HMS on the front row with uh, Bowman and Byron. They're there every year, and it seems like uh, HMS is always on the pole. And, you know, for the past, you know, you had Bowman a few years ago. You had Chase a couple years ago. And uh, you had Byron, you know, not too long ago. So, you know, they always sit on the front row. They bring tremendous speed, um, you know, even in the race and, you know, single car run speed. Uh, Practice, they weren't too strong, but, you know, you work on different things and they kind of fool you and then they come out for their single car run and they're pretty fast. So uh, there's really no surprise with them. Uh, But, you know, congrats to Bowman, you know, with his new ride. You know, he has to live up to Bowman or Johnson's uh, 48 legacy. And uh, he's got a lot of work to do, but he's off to a good foot, off to a good step and moving in the right direction. You know, he's, he, no matter what happens in his duel, he starts in the front row unless he wrecks and goes to a backup car. So, and then for Rudy Fugel to come out, the guy is a, he's a genius when it comes to being a crew chief and knowing um, how to set up a car and what he wants. And he just hopes that his car chief uh, does what he says and uh, makes him look like a genius, but they're starting off real good starting on the front row. So, uh, they're going to have speed in the race and, you know, chasing them what there, but they'll be fine in the race. So, uh, the Hendrick, they definitely brought power. And we, and Phil touched on in his little, uh, you know, analysis a little bit earlier. This is not, everybody's not going to start where for the Daytona 500, where they qualified tonight. Uh, we have the qualifying races tomorrow night now on Thursday, um, after qualifying. So, that will also lock in two open teams, but two open teams locked themselves in tonight as well. Uh, David Reagan was the one in the 36. He qualified 13th overall, but he was one of the open teams to lock themselves in. And no surprise here, but qualifying eighth overall and the first open team to lock himself in was Ryan Priest, who uh, in the Continental Chevrolet, uh, a very, very fast lap for him. A very impressive night for those two guys. Uh, a couple of open teams I was surprised about. Austin Sindrick third, uh, Kaz Grala fourth, you know, and then you had, Ty Dillon fifth, and this is just as far as the open teams are concerned, then Garrett Smithley and Timmy Hill, uh, who were way off the pace. But also, Noah Gregson did not get a lap. Um, the car did not pass inspection three times, so they decided that they will not get a lap. They will still be able to race their way in, in the duels on Thursday. Uh, but a surprise there. And, Spencer, what were your thoughts when you saw uh, Ryan Priest and David Reagan lock themselves in? I know a lot of people had Austin Sindrick. Uh, locking himself in because that's a Penske car and everybody looks at Penske as being really fast, but it seemed like they didn't really trim their car out for qualifying. It seems like they're going to be a lot better when it comes race time for the duels, but what were your thoughts on Reagan and Priest locking themselves in? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, for both teams, really with Reagan coming back and I know you're probably happy and um, Reagan, you, he's so good at these plate tracks, but you know, you have to, you know, it's not, you know, even if he didn't lock himself in, it's not him. It would be the speed. But they brought good speed. I mean, um, I mean, they they beat a they beat a uh, colleague RCR entry and they beat a Penske entry, and so they brought the speed in their single car um, run. And I mean, so that means their car is going to be really fast in the draft. And you know, as far as you know, with um, with a Penske car with Cendric not locking himself in, you know you never really see those Penske cars qualify um, good. I mean, they're, they're locked into the show. You know, they, you know, you want to run good for the Daytona 500. You had 200 long laps, 500 miles, 
and you have to have your car set up for the race and uh, run good. So with them being locked in, uh, you know, they want, there's no point of setting your car up for that. You know, you need your, uh, you need your cars to have the most laps in race trim. So you know what it's going to do. But as far as, you know, Priest, he needed that, you know, he's an uncharted uh, um, car this year. And that's huge for that team. You know, you have Stenhouse that qualified good too. So they brought speed and, you know, he had to focus on qualifying trim. You know, he had to, you know, you don't want to go to the duels and have to race your way in. You're stressful, you get in a wreck, and then, you know, look at Suarez. He wrecked last year, and he wasn't able to run in the 500. So uh, he did his he did his deal and locked himself in, and they brought speed. So for Reagan to get in and Priest was a little shocking. Uh, I would have picked those are not the two cars I picked. I actually picked the two cars that are in the red and didn't, um, you know, the third and fourth fastest car. So, uh, good for them. I'm happy. You know, that's pretty cool to see Reagan get in. He's a good guy in the sport and can might be able to win himself a Daytona 500. And you know, Priest is. Uh, we'll have to see how he does in the uh, in the 500. So, just keep it out of trouble, and you know, you'll have a good spot uh, for the 500 and see what can happen. Yeah, for sure. And and those guys. I mean, the open team. I was surprised. You know, the see not the, the Nazi Cindric go out there and put out the fastest lap or the fastest two. And and I know people are gonna say. Well, if Reagan or Priest race their way in, it automatically falls to Austin Sindrick, and that is true. I mean, Sindrick and Gralla are in a lot better spot than, you know, uh, Ty Dillon, Garrett Smithley, Timmy Hill, and Noah Gregson, who those four guys, the only way they're going to get into the Daytona 500 is if they race their way in, in their duel. Um, but when you look at Austin Sindrick, he's the next in line to take if, if Priest or Reagan run races their way in, it'll go to Sindrick, and then if both of them race their way in, Priest or Reagan – It'll go to Cascarella. So uh, they, there's still a way they can get in on their time. But, you know, I, I hate being in that, in that situation, Philip, where I'm not locked in. If I'm an open team, I would have focused strictly on qualifying. Not sure Miles Stanley did that, the crew chief for Austin Sindrick this week. Um, it sounded like, you know, he was, he was on Sirius XM Radio this week. It sounded like he was sort of taking a middle-of-the-road approach to it. But, listen, how many times have we seen an accident happen that's not somebody's fault and if he gets taken out in this Daytona and in, in these dual races tomorrow night, uh, he's out of the Daytona 500. So, you know, I would like to do the sure thing. It seemed like Front Row certainly focused on that with David Reagan, considering his teammates were tw- uh, were 27th and uh, 32nd in qualifying. Reagan qualified 13th, so it seemed like they focused really on qualifying uh, in that 36 car for David Reagan. But um, I just don't like being in that spot, and I'm really surprised. To see Cindric there, Philip. What were your ta- thought on the open teams of Priest and Reagan getting in? Well, I think uh, we picked, we did picks on Twitter, and you shared them on the on the Twitter feed. And I picked Ryan Priest to be on the front row uh, because, of course, O. Richard went and qualified on pole last year, and now that the thirty-seven doesn't have a charter, I figured they're going to go all out. Uh, Priest did have a good run. He is a good super speedway racer. That team has become kind of a dark horse pick in each one of these races. Qualifying is um, it's a good deal for him, Northeast guy, to go and be able to get in the show. Uh, they're going to have a good piece, I think, on Sunday. I don't know about tomorrow, but they'll have a good piece on Sunday. Uh, your boy, uh, David Reagan, in uh, one-off here, uh, gets in the show with Front Row Motorsports. They're, they have a rookie, a raw rookie, and Anthony Alfredo, Fast Pasta. Um, 
him going and uh, he's got a lot of uh, learn a big learning curve, but you're going to have Dave, David Reagan, who's been great. who's made his career on these super speedways in the show. Uh, they're going to do better in the race as well. I don't know about tomorrow, but credit to those two cars. I think, honestly, I figured Priest was going to be one of them, and I was I would have ventured with either Cindric or Grala as the other car. I get what you're saying, Clayton, about I'd rather be locked in, but I look at the drop-off after Cindric and Grala relative, those four, first four, to the rest of the field. Outside of Ty Dillon, who might have a decent piece, Garrett, Garrett Smithley, that car is not that great. I think Timmy Hill's the the Timmy Hill and um, Noah Gregson are the two wild cards. Timmy Hill made it in uh, in through the duel last year after I think um, somebody he hooked or somebody hooked JJ Ailey and he had a fast race car, but then he got destroyed in the 500. Uh, the 62 cars had no problem making these restrictor plate races either on time or through the race uh, with with Brendan gone. You can vent because they only have two people working on the car. They only have one full-time employee, this whole thing. That might have been part of the reason why they couldn't get through, through tech. Um, but Greg's aggressive. There, and, and so if he's – it's going to be flashy, whatever Gregson does – uh, in trying to make this show. I think for Sindrick, he knew that he was going to have teammates, and as it stands, he's going to have Matt Benedetto and Joey Logano there with him in that in that first duel. And I think the edict will be push Austin Sindrick to make the make the race, and whichever one, whoever it is, I'm looking over here. It's Priest is in the second duel, and David Reagan. David Reagan will fall back on speed, and I think that's what the edict will be to get uh, Sindrick, protect Sindrick, get him in the show. And uh, it, it, while they would have wanted to qualify on speed, it is what it is. I think Kaz Grala, that 16 car, is really fast. He's really solid. Colleague team has a lot of good momentum on the restrictor plate tracks or whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of potential here, um, and they're a definite dark horse uh, in terms of odds to go and make something happen here uh, this weekend. Well, listen, I totally get what you're saying as far as uh, Sindrick and Grala really being the two guys that are, are way better than everybody else as far as speed is concerned. But again, the unpredictability of these duels, I would not put myself in that situation. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, there's been years – Going back years and years and years, we've seen big teams miss this race. Kyle Petty missed this race in 1989 uh, when he was driving for Sabco. Didn't have any points. Got taken out in a duel with, with a huge wreck in duel one. It wasn't his fault, but he was out because he didn't qualify good enough. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Jimmy Spencer when he was driving a 41 car for uh, Chip Ganassi. That was a Ganassi car, and he went home in 2002 or 2001, 2002. Uh, he went home because he had a problem in his duel and didn't qualify great. So, you know, it's it's happened. We've seen big-time teams and big-time drivers miss the Daytona 500. Now, it's rare, but it's happened, and the reason why it's happened, it's not usually because, you know, they don't race their way in because they're not any good in the duels. It's usually because of an accident in the duels, and tomorrow, when these guys, you got more open teams than you've had in a long time. You talked about Gregson being aggressive. Kaz Grala's never run a, a plate race in a cup race before. 
Uh, you got a couple of guys who are going to be very, very desperate to make the Daytona 500. And, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I would have been way better. And if I'm Reagan and I'm, and I'm Priest, I'm hanging out in the back all day on, on uh, tomorrow night. You know, just hang out. And I don't care if I'm lapped 12 times. I'm in the Daytona 500. Uh, that's what I do because I don't want to tear up my race car. And, uh, you know, I got a good piece, you know, especially Reagan, who's, who's not running full-time this year. Priest is close to running full-time, but that's getting off on, on the other uh, side. But again, I, I'm just worried for those guys. And, uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll find out tomorrow whether or not we should be worried. 917-889-8280. That's the number to call here tonight in Talking in Circles. Uh, let's discuss other things. And real quick, I want to talk about something that uh, was brought to our attention during the um, – yeah, you mentioned, you know, Johnny Benson and, and uh, Joe Nemechek for Sabco in 98 as well. They missed the Daytona 500. That's a good call there. Um, but also I want to talk about the poll. Uh, Alex Bowman and Greg Ives, who's his crew chief. Ives has been unbelievable as a crew chief as far as qualifying is concerned, dating back to his days with Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 88. He's been unbelievable. So um, give him some credit, too. He did a great job. But, you know, listen, I'll, I just want to say this before we, we really dive into uh, single-car runs here. We know single-car runs at super speedways aren't really indicative of, of how these guys are going to run. Um, but – and I always, always over-exaggerate Daytona 500 qualifying. It's something I always do. I, I enjoy it. But I always feel like you need a fast race car to win the Daytona 500. And if you're way back, if you struggled, you don't have that fast race car. And there are some really good times here and guys who really surprised us and guys who really struggled. So we're going to break it all down. I know you're going to sit there and say, oh, it doesn't really matter, but we're going to break it down the best we possibly can. Uh, I'm going to start with a couple of guys, you know, as you go through the top 10. We mentioned Bowman and Byron out, out first and second. Then you got Eric Amarola, who great lap for Eric Amarola. Uh, he looked like he was going to be on the outside of the front row. Looked like he was going to take the pole for a second when he went out there. And by far the fastest Ford, the second fastest Ford was Harvick in sixth. But Amarola was was huge, hugely fast. He was third. Great lap for Bubba Wallace. I think everybody expected that. I think they really wanted to take the pole in that 23 car for DoorDash for Michael Jordan for the story it would have been to be on a pole. Just a little bit short, but a really strong lap for that. 23 car as well. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. fifth, another solid lap that we mentioned uh, JTG with, with Ryan Priest. They have Hendrick engines, so they're going to be really fast in qualifying. Uh, Kevin Harvick, sixth, a good lap for the Bush Light Ford after a, a miserable night last night in the, uh, in the Bush Clash. Seventh, you had Christopher Bell, a very good lap, his first run in the 20, so a nice job by him. We mentioned Ryan Priest. Austin Dillon, ninth, good lap for him in the Bass Pro Shops Chevrolet, and this is, to me, I think could be the lap of the night. Uh, Daniel Suarez, 10th, uh, I fly Chevrolet. That's track house racing solo call operation for Justin Marks's team. Uh, a great, great lap for Daniel Suarez. And again, you know, I know they have to, they have to, uh, race the duels and we're a long way away from the Daytona 500, but this is their first, you know, right out of the package, right out of the box, their first competition in anything. So for, uh, Suarez to go out and really, Qualifying the top 10, Philip. I thought it was an outstanding night for them, an outstanding lap for them. Who else grabbed your attention there in the top 10 uh, for qualifying? Yeah, Suarez was was definitely one. Uh, you know, they're an RCR-affiliated car, and you think about that, like, third or fourth RCR car over the years has not really had great, great results. And you look at an actual RCR car, being basically in the bottom and Tyler Reddick in 31st, which is crazy, but 
Suarez was right there with Austin Dillon. Um, credit to Justin Marks and that whole organization actually show up to Daytona. Never not brand new team a couple months ago uh, got got established same way as the 23 team, but there's no fan. There's way less fanfare, um, obviously relative to the 23 relative to 99. But uh, the 99 is going to look great generally every single week because they have amazing paint schemes. Uh, Suarez, we talked about him, and that was the best opportunity. That's debatable, but great qualifying run. Let's see what they can do in a race. Uh, in the duels, they probably won't hold with a top five spot there in the in the duels, but they'll you they are in the show. And uh, I mean, credit to those guys. I think that was probably the su- most surprising. I'll, I'll also give this, and I've been talking about Christopher Bell. Um, and there's news about his crew chief, uh, Adam Stevens, two-time championship winning crew chief, Adam Stevens. But Christopher Bell was the fastest actual uh, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota tonight. And I think it's a, it's a sign of things to come from a kid who over time has always, when he gets more seat time and he learns and he gets – and he figures things out, and now he has a crew chief that's going to really um, kind of work with him and knows what he what needs to be done to win championships. It's a deadly combination, and uh, you're and Christopher Bell is going to be somebody to look at not not only in the duels, but over this entire Cup Series season. Oh, listen. Absolutely. I think Bell is going to be great. And we talked about Stevens. You touched on it there as well. I think it's a, uh, it's going to be a tremendous pairing. And I know Kyle talked, talked about a little bit today uh, on his media availability. I don't want to get too far off of Daytona 500 qualifying, but uh, some interesting comments for sure. As, really as far as personnel was really the reason why that relationship with Adam Stevens broke up, but we'll dive, we'll dive into that maybe on Sunday uh, prior to our Daytona 500 preview show. Um, yeah. Uh, just listen, uh, a couple of guys who I agree. I think Suarez unbelievable. I mean, for them to go out there and again, new team out of the box, great job. And it's I know it's Daytona 2500 qualifying. I get it. And people are going to say, oh, Daytona 2500 qualifying means nothing. The pole means nothing. I get it. But uh, a, a good job by them. Uh, how about you, Spencer? Who really stood out to you as as having a really strong lap? Uh, anybody that surprised you? We we touched on Suarez. Uh, I think Bubba Wallace being up there and. Is a great job by that team in their first race as well. I know they got a little bit more of an affiliation than Trackhouse does. Um, you know, Priest up there, Bell, uh, Erica Marola, I thought had a really surprising lap. Uh, who who else stood out to you there, Spencer? Yeah, as far as you know, you expect those good guys to be up there, and you expect the the same people to bring fast race cars that normally are. You know, you look at Ricky. And he was a guy that, you know, would race well at the plate tracks, but he was never up there qualifying good until um, right around last year. And then he just qualified uh, fifth today. So I think the guy after Suarez would have to be uh, David Reagan. I mean, to to be with front row. And if you look at his teammates where they qualified, it's nowhere, it's not even close. So I think they did a great job. And I think um, they were key. You know, they probably did a little bit more to his car than the other two because the other two are locked in via the charter. So as far as David Reagan, or as far as um, 
uh, Priest and uh, you know Suarez having that good of a lap, I, it would have to be Reagan for me uh, to come out and you know not be locked in and be the fastest car out of the ones um, that have to you know race their way in is you know that's huge. So um, I'm like you, he's he's locked in, running the back. Who cares if it's 12 laps and you know have a shot at the Daytona 500? So uh, probably Reagan and um, after you know, guys we already talked about. And as much as we had guys who really impressed us in qualifying, there was a couple of guys who really surprised us. And, Spencer, I hate to do this to you, but uh, a lot of people expected Kyle Larson to go out and really put on a solid lap in qualifying. But uh, a little bit of disappointment, 188.474 miles an hour, 47.5.752 seconds, 15th. Uh, For a guy who a lot of people kind of looked at and said, oh, he could get the pole, you know, a new team with with uh, Kyle Larson, for him to go out there and not really turn a solid lap, uh, I was surprised by that. I know there's a couple of other guys who probably were focused on uh, the race trim a little bit more. Martin Truex Jr. stands out. He's uh, all the way back in 28th. Uh, another guy that stands out, Brad Kozlowski in 26th. He usually uh, runs really, really good here, so no concern there. Uh, also, uh, Chris Buescher in the Roush car, 30th. Um, and there's a couple of guys who I think were focusing more on race trim Joey Logano, 21st, that was a little bit of a surprise. But I think the biggest, you know, guy who had the most disappointing lap of the night, Spencer, to be completely honest, is Kyle Larson. Just because his teammates were first, second, and Chase was 11th, and he went out and rolled out 15th. Um, To be the slowest Hendrick car, uh, and and not even in the top, you know, barely in the top 15, a little bit disappointing lap for Kyle Larson, don't you think? Yeah, it definitely stinks, you know, being a Larson fan. And, you know, you guys have to think about it. I went to the racetrack last year and didn't have a driver in the Cup Series knowing my driver was sitting at home. Um, so, you know, to have him come back in, in a race car and, you know, you can go to the track and pull for somebody um, that's in the Cup Series is, you know, I'm I'm just happy he's in a race car and racing and I can, like I said, go to the racetrack and, you know, root for him and, uh, last year was real weird going to the racetrack. You, you more or less just go to watch. You're not really pulling for anybody. So, yeah, but back to him qualifying, you know, him being the slowest, you definitely think, you know, with all the hype and everything that happened, he, he, that he would come and um, really do a good lap. And But he, he just didn't. So, uh, hopefully he's, he gets into the race. And um, I'm sure he's going to be fast in the race. I mean, it's a Hendrick car. Uh, and, you know, for but for two of his teammates to sit on the front row and chase up towards the front and him run the way he did, um, it's kind of like, you know, why is this car the way it is? Uh, why, you know, why didn't he qualify up there? So hopefully in the race, he, he's smart. I just, he, I just be there at the end and at least have a shot. It would stink if he, he gets tore up on lap 50. Um, that would really suck. And, uh, you know, I feel like if he's there at the end and he's up front with a couple to go with a restart, um, he has a shot. I'm sure his car is good enough. So, uh, yeah, you know, we don't know why his car went that, you know, we're not in the garages. We don't know, um, why the car is slower than the other three, but definitely, uh, definitely shocking. I thought, you know, I picked him for the front row really. So yeah, uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah. That was what was surprising was just the fact that I think everybody kind of sat there and said, I'll watch Larson have a really good lap. And not that he, not that 15th terrible, but it was just, you know, so far off the pole, it was kind of surprising. Uh, Philip, anybody stand out to you as far as being a little bit disappointing tonight? Again, this is Daytona 500 qualifying. We always make a big mountain of a molehill here. Uh, but uh, who really stands out to you? Truex in 28th. I thought that was kind of surprising. Um, but 
who who stands out to you as far as um, guys who struggled in qualifying? The the one that's surprising to me is is uh, Tyler Reddick. I mean, he you consider RCR usually puts a lot of effort into qualifying at Daytona. You think about his teammate is in ninth, and then Daniel Suarez in an RCR affiliated car in tenth. I don't know if there's another direct RCR affiliate anymore. Can't keep track all this garbage that's going on anymore. These stupid charters, but um, Busher being dog slow, and the only cars behind him are are basically cellar dwellers and also rans and never will be's is is pretty surprising. Uh, I would hope. I mean, we think about this that Tyler Reddick was leading the Coke Zero Four Hundred late uh, in in August, and you know, I think. He tried to block Kyle and uh, Bush and put him in the wall, and Kyle Bush cried and moaned, which he always does. And then um, something, and he knocked off the right side, and he lost his chance to make the playoffs. So maybe his car is just strictly set to go and 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 run the mail. Um, I think, well, I guess thinking about it, I just remember Eric Jones, the 43, is also – a RCR affiliate. So then those two cars were strictly race, more race trim than the 99 and the three. So who knows, maybe he runs better in the duels, but I, I was honestly surprised by how slow that eight car was. Cause I, I really didn't expect that considering it's an RCR car. They put in a lot of effort. There's not as much as Hendrick, but they definitely put in a lot of effort in regards to, trying to qualify up front. I mean, Larson is the most obvious one, but I think the one, the underrated one is, is Reddick. But we will see what both of those uh, dirt racing guys will do in the duels. Listen, that's a tremendous call by you. I mean, no disrespect to Reddick, and I hope he doesn't take this wrong, but I didn't even see him beyond 30th because I didn't look beyond 30th. But 31st for Reddick, terrible. I mean, and, and again, you could sit there and say maybe they're focused on race trim, and that's probably what the case is. There's no question about that. But uh, when you you brought up tremendous tremendous points, I mean, uh, Dylan ninth and Daniel Suarez tenth and RCR affiliated cars for him to go out and put up thirty first, just surprising, very very surprising. Uh, and and a good point about Eric Jones as well, twenty uh, ninth, you know, and and that's an RCR affiliated car as well with RCR power. So um, a little bit of a surprise to see those two guys way down there as well. Um, Something I want to touch on before we move on and talk about the Bush Clash, and I just kind of want to point this to people who try, and there's been a lot of people in the industry who've tried to defend the Clash, and I hope I don't offend too many, or excuse me, try and defend the charter system, excuse me, uh, in NASCAR. And I, I just want to point something out to people so they understand exactly where I'm coming from with my, uh, and, and I'm sure I, I can't speak for the other guys, but my pure hatred for the charter system. And I hope I don't offend too many people here, but let's let's just take a look. If you take a little bit of deeper dive at the numbers here, from thirty from thirty fifth on back, Corey LaJoy in a U Theory Chevrolet turned a forty eight point seven six seven one hundred eighty four point five five one miles an hour for his qualifying time. Uh, a little bit disappointing there. I think a lot of people maybe thought he was a little bit better. Same thing with McMurray, but they're right on top of each other. They're teammates. Um, but so those two one hundred eighty four miles an hour. The Quinn Half was thirty fifth, thirty sixth. LaJoy, 35th, Half, 36th. Half was three miles an hour slower 
than Corey LaJoy. Three miles an hour slower than Corey LaJoy. McLeod's back there at 180. And then you have guys who weren't even, didn't even break 180 miles an hour. Timmy Hill and Garrett Smithy, they're probably going to go home if they don't race their way in, which is fine. Uh, Cody, Cody Ware, Joey Gase, Josh Balicki. Balicki was almost turned the lap at 51 seconds, 176.727 miles an hour. Uh, they're locked into the Daytona 500. Nothing can happen to them. It's just frustrating when you look at a guy, look at a team and qualifying. This is qualifying. Take this in mind, okay? Think about this. Josh Balicki is locked into the Daytona 500 at 176.727 miles an hour. Austin Sindrick turned a lap of um, 187.891. So he was 11 miles an hour faster than Josh Balicki. 11 miles an hour faster in his qualifying time. Balicki's going to race on Sunday. It's still up in the air about Austin Sindrick. It's just, it's that, that right there. If you need to see anything else, about why these charter systems for fans and competitiveness and why it's bad, that's right there. Daytona 500 qualifying shows it right there. And I know owners are going to sit there and say, we can't, um, you know, afford da, 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 whatever. But to me, it, it, you can't accept, have the fans sit there and accept this when you have a guy who's 11 miles an hour slower than somebody who's not in the show being locked in. That, to me, is mind-boggling, mind-boggling. And Cope didn't even get a lap because they couldn't fire the car. I mean, give me a break. Uh, and, and I know Gregson didn't pass qualifying, and I'll give Gregson this, and I think absolutely, Philip, you hit the nail on the head. They have maybe three or four employees there. They're not a full-time team. They probably didn't get go to um, a, a modified, you know, uh, what do they call it, Hawkeye system that, that other teams have the option to go to. So I think, you know, you look at that and you sit there and go, they're a solo corporation. They run four races a year. You can understand their issues. But when you got a full corporation at Rick Ware Racing and all four of them on the bottom and Cope didn't even get his car fired – there's a problem there, and that is right there. If anybody wants to look at why the charter system is insane, just look at that. 11 miles an hour slower than Austin Cindric Blicky was today, and he's locked in the Daytona 500. It's crazy to think about. 917-889-8280, guys. Want to talk about the clash next. Um, the Butch clash from last night. I was on the road course. Spencer, you were there. Uh, we'll get your take on it in a little bit, but it ended up a, a race that um, had its moments of, I think, where he sat there and said, oh, maybe we should trim down a lot a little bit. But it certainly ended very interestingly. Um, uh, first, it was Ryan Blaney chased down Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott at the closing stages. Blaney passed him. Then I thought, I talked about this on my little instant reaction last night, I thought Blaney kind of um, struggled a little bit there in his, uh, when he took the lead. He just, he could have pulled away. I thought, felt like he did a faster car than Chase at that point in the race. And he struggled. I just felt like he didn't pull away like he should have. And it let Chase Elliott get close. Uh, coming into that final corner, contact was made. Blaney hit the outside wall. Chase tried to avoid him, slowed down, couldn't get to the gas as quick as Kyle Busch. It was third. Bush passed both of them, sped away to victory. A uh, lot of controversy there. I know a lot of people were mad at Chase Elliott for his contact there at the end of that race. Um, and I understand completely why Ryan Blaney wasn't wasn't happy with him. He took a win away from him, really. But I, I think in this race, this is something that, you know, you got to go for the win. And I think Chase Elliott tried to do that. But, Philip, what was your take on it? Were you a little um, surprised by that move? Did you think Chase had it in him? And did you think it was a little dirty on Chase Elliott's, fault, uh, on Chase Elliott's part? What was your take on the finish to that clash there from last night? I mean, it's you wouldn't expect it from old Clyde. It, it kind of seems like the pass in the grass kind of move uh, where he wanted to hook Earnhardt 
his dad wanted a hooker and heart and instead he got him loose and he drove through the grass and still held on and he they call it a pass in the grass it's more like he hooked him into the grass and he still held on to it because he's dale earnhardt and he still won the the winston it's similar to that but the different and it the same result happened because clyde went and watched Kyle Bush going past both of them because they were going and at, they were going and doing argy bargy with each other, and I mean Blaney had the line. He's like, at least if you're gonna run me over, at least win the race. And uh, I mean it's the same thing as like when Jimmy Johnson went and 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 crapped himself and and ran into Truex and Truex was crying and moaning and and all that, and they both gave away that race and Blaney won the first Roval. Um, that was just a joke. Uh, fundamentally, uh, Hamlin was the, the, I think the 11 and the 19 were 11, 19 and the 12 were the three best cars in the, in this race. Um, Chase Elliott used strategy to get up there. And then, you know, Blaney had a good car, but Blaney has never been known as the greatest closer out there. And I, I don't, blame him for what he did or giving that line. He could have went the other way. He probably gets used up the other way. Um, I mean, in the end, if he had had uh, the tires actually playing a little bit of a role as a, as a bonus, I also don't believe they should have that stupid chicane. It's the same way as they have that stupid chicane at, at Charlotte. Get rid of it. It makes that first turn even more treacherous. Um and it would be more of a challenge with these bricks that they have to drive. But whatever, Kyle Busch got to go and lead one lap, and he led, or not even one lap, he led a few hundred yards, and he got another Bush clash win. Um, for whatever it's worth, I'm glad that I didn't have to sit there um, through the nonsense of that race because uh, it didn't seem, it seemed, the highlights seemed like it was okay, but it was highlights. Uh, so, sure. um, it, we, we will see what it'll look like here, uh, next week when we're pre, when we're reviewing the 500 and previewing the second race on the Daytona road course. Uh, now that there, a lot of these guys were able to do a little bit of R and D and, uh, testing. Yeah, for sure. And there was a couple of guys I want to point out a little bit later, uh, who I thought, we're doing just that and, and did a great job of it. And there were some guys who really struggled and we'll talk about that as well. But Spencer, I want to get your take on that finish. I mean, you were there in the grandstands watching that race, um, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney coming down. It seems like they on road courses, those two, the two guys really that have really done well on the road courses of late. Um, and they take each other out, however you want to call it. What did you think of that finish? Did you think Chase Elliott was wrong? And uh, what did you think about Kyle Busch going to victory lane? I mean, the car who went to victory lane didn't deserve to go to victory lane. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, as Philip was talking, you know, I got – if you watch the replay certain ways, if you watch it when the cars are, like, coming towards you, it looks like Chase turned to the left and just hit Blaney in the right spot. And then you watch it another way, and it kind of looks like Blaney went to Chase. So, I mean, if you think about it, he never really touched Blaney until he was next to him. It's not like he drove. I mean, he drove in there hard. I mean, obviously you gotta, you gotta at least get next to him to have a shot to win. But he he didn't hit his bumper hard. Um, he didn't touch until he was next to him. And you know, and then if you think about it, 
you know, Blaney's trying to make his turn, and Chase has to veer towards Blaney so he doesn't freaking hop the curb. And if you hop the curb, your race is over anyways because you're either going to spin out when you land or you just jump and you are you lost all your momentum anyways, so you're not going to win. So, uh, I mean, it was it was fun watching him the last lap. All the fans jumped up and was, you know, pulling for Chase, obviously, to pass Blaney. But, uh, you know, I thought the 19 had probably the best car there towards you, and Hamlin was gone. Uh, when that race dropped, Hamlin said, see, I'm out. And it looked like he was just going to run away with the whole thing. And then as the race progressed, he had the 12. And uh, the, I was, you know, pulling for Blaney. Uh, you know, I like Blaney. I think he's a good guy. And um, he's from the great state of North Carolina. And um, so, I mean, it was a good race. And those guys are best friends. But like Chase said, I mean, I mean, what is he not supposed to win the race? I mean, if you're a Blaney fan, you're going to say Chase is in the wrong. If you're a Chase fan, you're going to say Blaney's in the wrong. It's a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. So, I mean, it's not for points. I can understand Blaney still wanted the trophy on his mantle. And, you know, if you think about it, Blaney hasn't done much since he's been at Penske. Just get the victory lane and show Roger Penske you can go to victory lane. Um, so, I'm sure that hurts a little bit for Blaney. But, you know, and as far as it being on the road course, for some reason I just – I love NASCAR. Clayton, you know that. Philip, you know that. Um, I just, I couldn't get excited like I would for the Oval. You know, this is Speed Weeks, the biggest show on Sundays, the Daytona 500. I want a preview. I want a race that these guys will go out and give you the best show possible because it's not for points. It's an all-star race at Daytona is basically what it is. The duels, they're not going to do that. They don't want to tear the primary up and go to the backup car. So when you run the road course, you have no, you don't have that, um, that preview or that fun show to get you hyped up for the Daytona 500. So, you know, but you know, the fans enjoyed the finish. So NASCAR is going to keep it. It's a business. They want us to put butts in the seats. And, you know, if it stays on the road course, it's because of that finish. Um, it's because of what happened when the fans are happy, NASCAR happy, the ratings go up and they're selling tickets. So I would love to see it come back on the oval. Um, just like I said, to get you really excited and make your, yeah, make the uh, anticipation get even higher and can't wait till you wake up on Sunday morning and know that it's going to be the great American race. So, um, like I said, it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. You're, if you're a fan of one or the other, you're going to be on different sides. So, um, But there was a lot of cars that had good speed. Jones, he was good for a little bit. I thought he ran solid. Um, I was good to see that. The King showed up and was there. and um, I'm excited to see what they got this year, too. Yeah, listen, there was no doubt um, it was certainly a different field for this clash. And I hate road course racing. I've said that numerous times, and, and I know I'm not a – I'm a NASCAR uh, – really, the, I have such a limited feel for racing. I don't really care for IndyCar. I don't care for F1 at all. Um, so really – and I like dirt racing, but I'm really into NASCAR. So it's – you know, I like oval racing on asphalt. That's just That's just me. Um, so it's a little bit different, and I agree with you. It's, it's, it had a different feel to it. I think the reason why they really went to it is because the owners don't want to tear up race cars. Um, but it, it, there were certainly some interesting moments in last night's race. I don't want to lose that. One of the things I really found interesting um, was Martin Truex Jr. Give him a lot of credit, and he's going to be somebody to look at. And when we talk about preview this road course race coming up for points here in a little while, uh, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be a guy I'm going to pick to win that race. He came from the back twice. He uh, started towards the rear of the field. He started 18th, came up, took the lead, then had a, a weird situation where he missed, missed the, the bus stop, 
went blue chicane on a caution flag, and they put him to the rear for that as well. So he started from the rear there, worked his way up to the lead. And then what he said last night was, I've never run that road, that road course at night, and I couldn't really see where the, the dirt and the asphalt you know, uh, met like I could in the daytime. And I just misjudged it and got into the dirt and slid a little bit and hit the outside wall, come off a corner. But if Truex don't wreck there, I think he runs away with this Bush clash. He was tremendous last night. And I think if you're a Martin Truex fan, it's not a, a you know, you're disappointed about what happened with the accident, but I, you got to give him a lot of credit. He was fant- fantastic last night. They were very, very fast. Another guy I thought was very, very good last night. I, again, I discussed this a little bit was Tyler Reddick. And the one thing I liked about Tyler Reddick a lot was he was going in places that a lot of drivers didn't have the guts to go. He was going outside, inside places. And you're like, Ooh, who's that? Who? Everybody's on the inside. Who's that on the outside? It was Tyler Reddick. And, you know, it just kind of goes to his dirt background and being aggressive. But for a guy, for a team, and, and for a race that we're going to go there in two weeks and you really got to see what you got, why not try some things? And, you know, he finished fourth at a really fast race car. Somebody to keep an eye on when we go to the points race. But a couple of guys really struggled. I thought Ryan Newman was bad. They, they, he was in the way, it seemed like, last night. Last night, uh, I thought Ty Dillon put up a, a poor effort as well. Um, I know road course racing really isn't his background, but he's in a 2311 car with Joe Gibbs Racing um, you know, affiliation there. And that's going to be his best ride all year to win a cup race. And he went out there and laid a complete egg, was 18th, was terrible. Uh, let's just call a spade a spade. And the guy I was really surprised about really surprised who had a really tough night. I think he spun twice, three times. Kevin Harvick from the get-go. I mean, I think it was like 10 laps in or five laps in. Harvick was around and you're like, who's, who's that spinning? Oh, it's the four car. Oh my gosh. If all drivers of all teams to spin Kevin Harvick. And then he did it again later. I think he might've gotten into an incident one more time, which was shocking to see. He was nowhere near being a factor at all. This is Kevin Harvick, a guy who's probably been the best driver in NASCAR the last five years most successful one, probably one of the most races, nowhere near where he needed to be for the Bush Clash. And that was really surprising to see that four car struggle as badly as he did uh, last night at, during a clash. And I know it's a road course racing. And again, a lot of these veteran guys like Newman and Harvick don't really have a road course racing background. Don't, you know, they've been running in cup where we ran two, two road course races for decades and until, uh, you know, until recently. And they got to sort of learn road course racing on the fly. But I was a little disappointed in that. Uh, final thoughts for you, Philip, on that Bush clash, and then we'll go to final thoughts with Spencer before we move on to previewing the duels. Final thoughts, Philip, on the Bush clash from last night. Yeah, I mean, for Harvick, he's won on, he's won at, at Watkins Glen, and the SHR group are, are behind on the road course side. Uh, in regards to Penske, it depends on the driver, the flim, but SHR definitely has to catch up. Uh, the 2311, I think it was more of an R&D mission as much as anything to go and get notes because Bubba's just as bad at road course racing as Ty Dillon is. They just want to keep that car clean because they're going to be running it in a couple weeks. Um, I I agree with Spencer. It should be on the oval. Run it on a they could do. They could really make a, a better ticket package, and they could even condense this deal shorter. You could go and 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 make it a, a, a run it on Sunday the way that it should be. Run this. Run the dang duel at at uh, one o'clock or whatever. Run qualifying at twelve noon, 
and then run the duel after that and run it on the oval or not the duel, I mean the bush clash on the oval, 20 laps, $250,000 to win. It sounded a lot better in 1980 because that was a lot of money. It ain't a lot of money anymore, but God dang it, it is a lot of money. Uh, for all of us, it is. And for these MFers, it, it is too. $250,000 to win, 20 laps, do an invert. The way they had it for years, it worked. It was fine. It's simple. And for the way NASCAR wants to angle themselves and how they want to angle to the LCD, 20 laps, you do an invert after 10, that's pretty damn simple. Make the guy that goes and wins the first stage go and come back to the front in 10 laps with no, with no caution laps counted. I think that that's pretty straightforward. Um, and if they're going to have a demo derby, you're just saving yourself time anyway. It's better than having it on a road course. Um, there's a lot of road course racing here in the Cup Series. I don't as much as Jim France wants to make it into the V8 Supercars. It's not the V8 Supercars championship. So um, we will see uh, what comes of that. But uh, I agree with you on that as well, Clayton. We need to probably limit. We need to be going to certain other circuits more than going to the road courses, but uh, Jim France doesn't believe that. Well, and I hate to say this, and, and, you know, you guys, I hear your points about the oval, the dual, the the clash on the oval. Listen, I love it. I would love that more than anything in the whole world. It's just, unfortunately, a reality, first of all, the new car is going to cost a ton of money. They're not going to do it. A, and B, this new car is going to be, you know, I keep hearing all these drivers telling you how this new car is going to be so great on road courses. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see that either. So, um, if the clash stays around, and I don't think it would have stayed around. I think the owners would have pushed it out if, if we have it on an oval still, because of how much carnage there was, how much money they were spending on race cars. I just think the clash would have been, the owners would have said, we need to do something different. We have two preliminary events before the Daytona 500 where we can tear up our race cars between the duels and the clash. Let's do something different. Let's keep the race. NASCAR wanted to keep it because they make a lot of money at Daytona from that race. It's the first race of the year. Everybody's going to be watching. So I think they wanted to keep it, so they came up with an, with a uh, a little bit of a equal medium. But um, Spencer, what were your thoughts on final thoughts on this clash? Obviously, you were there a little bit different perspective than Philip and I had on it. Uh, but real quickly, what was your final thoughts on the clash before we preview the duels and look ahead to the rest of the week here for Speed Weeks? Yeah, really nothing that we haven't mentioned since the show started is. Um, the only thing, my biggest issue is it being on the road course. Like I said, the excitement just wasn't there for me. Um, you know, I still had a good time. Um, went with my buddy, my girlfriend and my dad, and, um, we had a good time being there in the camaraderie, but it was just, it was weird watching it on the road course. And, um, I just want that excitement. I want to see them boys go at it and do keep the blocks from the top to the bottom, but if I was an owner, I would probably want a road course too, so I don't tear up a $300,000 race car. So, But as a fan perspective, tear shit up. So, um, No, it was, um, I, you know, it was, it was okay. Um, I thought the finish was good. Watching Chase um, run down Blaney was probably the most exciting thing. Um, so nothing too crazy. Um, I'm just ready to get back, ready to watch the duels and see what the guys that have to start in the back do. So, yeah. um, so here comes duels. Yeah, and and uh, I certainly I think a lot of people would have felt differently, Spencer, if that finish didn't happen. I mean, if if these those guys don't wreck each other and they go to the line and and uh, you know it's not a great finish or a finish that's memorable, I should say. I think a lot of people would agree that that was a, a pretty 
stale race for sure. But, um, you know, finishes change a lot. Uh, okay, guys, real quick, uh, not real quick, but we got some time here to preview the duels. Obviously, it's a um, one thing we haven't really seen is these cars in a draft, which is a different than uh, normal speed weeks where we've seen them in a draft once already with the clash. So we don't know who's going to be really, really fast in the draft. Um, but there are two duels, obviously, like we, every year. That's why they're called dual races. Uh, duel one is going to be Alex Bowman, Eric Amarola, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, Christopher Bell, Ryan Priest, Daniel Suarez, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Matt Benedetto, and Austin Sindrick in the top ten. Other notable drivers in duel one, uh, Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, Cole Custer, Eric Jones, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Ty Dillon, Jimmy McMurray. Uh, and as far as the open teams are concerned – uh, the three open teams in Duel One are Austin Sendrick, Timmy Hill, and Ty Dillon. So one of those three teams are going to obviously race their way in in Duel One. And when you look at Duel One for Austin Sendrick, maybe you're right, Philip. Uh, seems like a little bit of an easier uh, go, you know, race for him. He's going to go up there if he runs in the top pack. Dillon might have something for him. I don't know if Hill's going to have anything for him, but Dillon might have something for him if Toyota's going to help him. But that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on as well. Duel 2. Uh, it's going to be William Byron, Bubba Wallace, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott, David Reagan, starting sixth. Uh, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, uh, Ryan Blaney, Kaz Gralla, uh, your top ten. Um, so other drivers, as far as notable drivers, you got Chase Briscoe in that race, uh, Ross Gastain as well. Um, Chris Busher's in that race, Martin Trix Jr., Brad Kozlowski, and the open teams there are Noah Gregson, Garrett Smithley, and um, David Reagan. So those are the, th- the three open teams. And I'm, I'm, I apologize. I think I screwed that up, guys. Uh, there's more than three open teams in each race. So let me go back to, th- to that again. So Ryan Priest, obviously, is locked into the Daytona 500 because of his speed. He's in the in Duel 1 with Austin Sendrick, Ty Dillon, and Timmy Hill. So that's Duel 1. So it's not going to be as easy for Sendrick as I initially thought. Duel 2 is going to have... Uh, David Reagan, Kaz Gralla, um, Garrett Smithley, and Noah Gregson as the open teams there. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Spencer, then we'll go to Philip. Uh, what are you looking forward to for these duels? I mean, um, obviously we see the cars drafting for the first time all year in a uh, pack, in a competitive pack. But what do you really – is there somebody you're keeping an eye on for these duels, somebody that's going to really keep an eye uh, – that, that really um, you're going to sit there and say – I'm curious to see what this team does. I'm curious to see what that team does. Who do you got and who are you looking at for tomorrow night? Really, I don't think it's going to be too crazy. I think you're going to see what you normally do. You know, as the, the Garrett Smithleys and the Timmy Hills, you're going to see them, I don't know, a quarter of a lap behind. It's going to be a little four-pack, and they're just going to do their thing, and they're going to fight it out right there at the end. You know, we've seen that with Ryan Truex and Parker Kligerman. And we saw it with Brennan Gone one year. They were just those three cars in one pack, and they were dicing and doing whatever they had to do to pass one another. As far as up front, I mean, majority of the guys, you know, they're going to be locked in or are, you know, or they are locked in um, because they do have a charter. So, I mean, I don't think you're going to see people um, do too crazy. I don't think you're going to see a lot of stupid blocks. Now, come to the end, the last couple laps, you might see Logano or somebody do a block because, you know, he's very good at it. And, he wants to win. I mean, you want to win, but at the at the same time, you're like, this is my car to go um, win the win the big trophy and lock yourself into the playoffs right off the bat. That's huge too. So, 
You know, and the, the main guys I'm going to be watching is Larson just because I want to see how the car is, what he does, and I want him to have a shot at the 500. I want to see him there at the end and um, have a shot. And, and then Ross, too. You guys know I'm a big fan of Ross and with him at Ganassi. Um, his qualifying wasn't great either, you know, so uh, I would like to see what he has um, what he has going for him as far as drafting and how his car handles in the pack. So, I mean, he was there in the 77 car last year. I'm pretty sure, you know, he has a good piece in the draft with the 42 Ganassi car. So I'm really not worried about them. I just, you know, with their laps, I just curious to how to see they're going to, how they're going to do in the draft. I mean, like you said, we haven't seen draft. We don't know. So you didn't really see a lot of it in practice. Uh, more people are focused on uh, qualifying and single car speed. So uh, the duels is really going to be our first, um, our first uh, site, I guess, on how everybody is in the packs. So, uh, you know, Thursday is tomorrow, and we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and I'll tell you something I'm curious about before we get Phil's opinion is how these open teams approach this race and how the pole sitter and the outside pole sitter approach this race where they got cars that are locked in. As far as the two teams that are locked in, David Reagan and Ryan Priest, how they approach their their duel and how the pole sitter, uh, Alex Bowman, and the outside pole sitter, William Byron, approach these duels because, again, you know, they they for sure don't want to tear up their race cars. They got really fast pieces, and um, they would start at the rear of the field if they get into a wreck. So they could be up there saying, hey, we're going to run for 25, 30 laps, see what we got in the draft, pull it in, and call it a day. That could be something we see from them. David Reagan could do that as well if he felt comfortable enough to do that. Say, listen, I don't know if they, what the kind of backup situation is for that team or the 37, but they could do that as well. So that's my curious – for that's my real um, – something I'm really curious about. For tomorrow, how about you, Philip? What are you looking at tomorrow night? Is there anybody you're looking at in particular? What kind of things you're looking for for tomorrow night for the duels? I'm curious in regards to, of course, the open cars. That's really why I I watch the the duels, anyways. It, it's not as interesting as when you and I started watching this deal, Clayton. But because there aren't as many cars as they had back in the day, but fundamentally I want to see I, I figure the front row guys are going to drop to the tail save themselves I, I figure uh, David Reagan's going to do the same thing which means whoever is an open car which means in this case Kaz Grala is probably going to lock himself in because uh, he has a fast race car uh, he and and that will go and mean that'll I mean, one of the times we'll, we'll go and help there. But um, I, I'm also curious in that second duel about the rookies. You know, Chase Briscoe, kind of a disappointing lap relative to the 10 and the 4. But the 4 is in uh, this duel with him. The So two, there's split Stuart Haas cars in both duels. So um, I'm sure he's going to get with uh, Kevin Harvick and basically be – right glued to his bumper the whole entire way uh, to try to go and, and make it through this uh, you know, qualifier. Uh, Chastain is another one uh, with Kurt Busch, so the teammates will be there, uh, the Ganassi teammates. So that will be interesting. Chastain, uh, Spencer's guy, is as aggressive as anything. He has his shot full-time in a Cup Series ride. I'm curious to see if he'll uh, just kind of take it easy. I figure he'll take it easy. Um, tomorrow's more about maintaining. 
to make sure they don't go and destroy everything. Um, it's more it's more about seeing who is going to make this race. I think Tyler Reddick is not going to be starting uh, in the 30s, uh, starting uh, on Sunday, and uh, Larson also. Those two guys are probably going to make it up front. Chris Bell, um, it's probably going to look like a chili bowl. It, it would probably look like the chili bowl, except it's on pavement with, with 3,400-pound stock cars. Uh, in the first duel. So that'll be something. Uh, there's a little bit more intrigue in the first uh, duel race than the second one in regards to the open cars. I think it's much more likely um, what when it comes to the open cars. Uh, there's going to be a lot more competition there uh, to see who's going to go and make the show. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully they're able to run weather permitting. Yeah, we'll see weather rather weather permitting. Hopefully they are able to run. Um listen, something else we we kind of failed to mention when we talk about the duels is there's points up for grabs uh for both races. Uh, if you finish in the top 10, um you get points for reg- regular season points, there's no playoff points awarded, but uh first place gets 10 points, 10th place gets 1 point and they go uh from, you know, a a ladder formation down from there. Uh, on both duels. So, I mean, a little bit more of an incentive than just the money and what comes with the prestige of winning a duel race uh, for some of these drivers. So um, it is going to be interesting. I think the other thing uh, you look at is who's going to work with who, uh, you know, and, and just exactly, like I said earlier, um, what kind of strategy these open teams are going to do and what kind of strategy these pole setters are going to do. And if, if, you know, handling comes into a factor for these, for the Daytona 500, and if handling's a factor, you might see people say, "Oh, let's let's take something different." Um, you can't really do much to these cars anymore, but that's besides the point. Uh, but you know, just see if handling, see what the tires do, see what the car does uh, on a 60 lap race. So um, I'm just excited to see some racing again on this oval. So it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch tomorrow night. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. If you like what you heard, you like what you know. You like everything we've been posting. We've, we've done a lot of content. We hope to have a little, a lot more for you uh, moving forward here in the coming days during Speed Weeks here 2021. Uh, please give us a like on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Uh, we certainly will post a lot of stuff there as well. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. We'll see you Sunday. We'll do a show before the Daytona 500 on Facebook. You'll see us there. Uh, and we'll break it all down uh, next week, break it down all Speed Weeks. I'll be coming in chiming in with a little bit of, of my thoughts here throughout the week as well. Uh, thank, you, thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Good night.